says something that is free of our opinion. Lord, it's free of what we've been through. It's free of emotion. But yet it's so full of truth. It's so full of, of life. And it's so full of everything that you are. It says, you're a good, good God. Lord, I know that to be true, but I know that the God that I serve is more than good. You're great, Jesus. You are a great God simply because of the things that you've done in our lives, but Lord, more so, more so just because of your character. That's, that's your nature. That's who you are. You're a good God. And you're a God who's by nature seeking after us. You're a God who's by nature after his children because that's what parents do. They seek after their kids. They want to build their kids up. Father, that's what you're doing with us. But Lord, if we were made in your likeness, if we were made in your image, in being heirs to your throne and your children, and therefore we have access to everything that you have, Lord, if by nature you're after us, Lord, you created us to be by nature after you. After you in the sense, Father, that we know nothing else will suffice. Nothing else will do good like you do in our lives. And Lord, this morning as we press in, as we ask for the Spirit to be in this place, Lord, we come with that perspective that you're coming after us, but Lord, we're going to come after you today too. It's a two-way street. Sure, we know you're doing your part, but we want to make sure we're doing our part this morning and just simply uh, surrendering it to you today. And so, Father, I pray that if there's, there's a well within us that needs to spring up, let it spring. If we need life, let there be life. These dry bones, Father, let them cry out. If we're weary, Lord, give us happiness, give us joy. Tired, give us strength, Lord Jesus. But whatever the case may be, I pray that we encounter you today. And it's not just another Sunday service. We encounter the Holy Spirit in God, in Jesus, in the Father, through the power of the Word. Father, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. I'm just going to tell you right now, I can already tell I'm going to have to wake you guys up. Is Jesus too good this morning? Come on now, somebody give him some praise. Hey, and why is that? It's because y'all woke up today, right? The Lord is doing stuff in us that we can do two things with. We can allow him to bring life through that. Or we can quench the spirit. Or we can just say, you know what, I'm not ready for that right now today. It's okay. <laughs> and you know what he's going to say to you? All right, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to come around the next time. And the reason I'm opening up with this is because at some point, I say this a lot, and I, and I see it, which is great. So I don't want you to hear me say this a lot and think, oh, well, we're not doing it because Alex needs to see it. And you know what, you don't, I don't need to see anything from you. The Lord is looking at your heart, so you ain't got to impress me. But I say a lot, what's in you has got to come out of you. It really does. 
And we're about to talk about what's in you today. That's what I love about this next set of scripture. What is in you is so powerful. And you've probably heard that before. What is in you is so, um, there's, I've heard the term used, there's so much gold in you. All right. But what happens when it's not clicking? What happens when it ain't working? And you hear this all the time. I'm a child of God. I got to walk in my anointing. I got to walk in my authority. But I just don't feel like it. It's just not happening. I don't see the fruit of it. Um, the scripture unveils and reveals to us, I guess, the reality of what's in you. And I'm just going to say this before we, we get into this. Is it's not a matter of walking in it, ladies and gentlemen. It's a matter of using it. And I'll, I'll explain that later. I really will. But we've had the wonderful privilege of taking the leadership up to Highlands, I think that's what it's called, retreat camp, retreat center, whatever. It's in Estes Park. Uh, and for the first time in a long time, we were able to get our, our leaders out of here. But anytime we get back from a retreat, I always say, hey, it was the best one. <laughs> and it's good because if any retreat was lesser than the one before that, it'd probably be a little bit of an issue. But what we do at these retreats is we spend the first night literally just trying to hear God. It's deep worship, speaking to each other, words come. A lot of times we try to get to an agenda and we never can because the Spirit just says, look, this is what I want you to do. Thankfully, we did get some things done while we were up there. But I was able to speak to the leadership of some, some things that the Lord was bringing into my life through my vacation and through these last three weeks. And one of those words that is just blaring that he continues to bring me back to is this word called authority. Now, for whatever reason, our generation doesn't like that word. <laughs> we just want to be free, right? Free from authority. Uh, when I say generation, I'm mostly speaking to my generation. So those of you who are older than me, um, yeah, I really don't know what to say about that. But I will say this, my generation... There's no freedom without authority. Let me make that statement. Uh, when it comes to Jesus Christ. Amen? So this word keeps coming up. Keeps coming up. And this weekend, the Lord was able to bring to light through not only things that I was saying, but things that people brought to the table. Leaders in this church, people who, who helped me lead this establishment, about simply using your authority. And the reason I say use is because I don't want to say walking in. The reason why I don't want to use the word walking in is because of what we looked at last week in Romans 8, verse 9. I brought this issue to the table. I said, have you ever heard somebody say, well, that person's a spirit-filled Christian or that person's a non-spirit-filled Christian? Well, Romans 8 verse 9 kicks that conversation right out the door, saying that if you have Christ in your life, you get it all. You get the Spirit, you get Jesus, you get, you get all three, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, there's things we can do to quench the Spirit, but there is no such thing as a non-Spirit-filled Christian. You may not be led by the Spirit, but that doesn't mean the Spirit's not in you. 
Do you hear me? Right now, as you sit, and I am as real as I am right now, and you guys, we could just, you're not fake, okay? I'm just saying this is reality. That's all I'm trying to say. The Spirit resides in you today. If you know Jesus. If you don't, we can fix that. You know, it's a real easy fix. Just ask him into your heart. If that's the case, if Romans 8, verse 9, which let me read it to you so I'm not taking this thing out of context, but it says this, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, here we go. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. See, the word is just diagnostic in nature. That statement is just diagnostic in nature. It's basically just saying, look, those who know me, know me. Those who don't, don't. Those who are in me, they have these things. They have access to these things. These things either are living in you or they're lying dormant. But don't ever let anybody tell you you don't have the Spirit if you know Jesus. So if that's true, what about this thing called authority? Because what we're about to read is what's been given to us by way of a relationship. We're going to look at these words being an heir, being a son, sonship. If, if, ladies and gentlemen, if all of that is true, then guess what else? If the Lord told us that he made us in his likeness and he came and did what he did on the cross to give us access to who he is, follow me on this, gave us access to who he is, and therefore we are co-heirs with him, like we get everything that he gets, we have everything that he has, then you also, not only with the spirit residing inside of you right now, you have the authority of God sitting right behind your sternum. I'm going to say it again. You have the authority of the man who spoke this earth into being sitting right in your body. Amen. That authority, ladies and gentlemen, is something that you are walking in and walking with. The question is, are you using it? Big difference. Big difference. Now, I didn't use this analogy in first service, but I'm going to use it now because I think it's appropriate. We'll get through this analogy, and then I'm going to read this scripture because you guys need to not listen to me talk, and we need to look at scripture. But... Have you ever seen massive power lines in the plains? They're just swooping from pole to pole. Well, there's voltage going through those power lines. It's, I mean, you touch it, you die. Let's just say that. These power lines come into what are called substations. You may see them at the corner of, um, I mean, there's one at Horsetooth and Timberline. There's one in Overland and, and Drake, if you know Fort Collins. They're just these weird-looking metallic structures that look like a prison or a torture chamber. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They just look bad, right? But these are substations. What they do is they take that power and they cut it down so that it can be usable within your house. From that substation, the power is either underground or whatever, and it, it goes into your house. It does. It goes into every appliance, every socket, every light, every light switch. Let me ask you this question. What if... Every time you wanted to turn on the light in your house, you called the utility company and asked them for permission or asked them to do it for you. That doesn't make sense, does it? The power's already in the house. It's been sent. I wouldn't say it's been stepped down, so that's a, don't make that connection, all right? 
But nonetheless, from wherever it originates, it is in the house. And all you have to do is walk in the room and turn on the switch. But how often, ladies and gentlemen, do we ask for the power of God to do something that he has already given us the authority to do? Hear me when I say that. If I got the spirit in me, my job is just to not quench it. If I have the authority of God in me right now, then why is it that I'm asking him to do something that he's already given me permission to do? I'm going to say it again. He's already said, I need you to heal. The authority to heal is in you. The authority to overcome is in you. Now, there's a reverential piece to this, saying, Lord, we just want you to do what you want to do, and you can do it in your time, and it's okay. But do you realize that he's already spoken to that? He knows he's God. We know that he is God. We revere him. We don't fear him. Phobia. It's reverential. But nonetheless, because it's a relationship, he wants to use you. What he's put in you, like I said, it's got to come out. When is it going to come out, ladies and gentlemen? Are you with me this morning? Come on now. I really think the reason why you guys don't really talk that much anymore is because we don't have coffee in here like we used to. I mean, there's times where we had coffee and you guys would be like, yes, hallelujah. I was like, I didn't say anything yet. It's okay. Caffeine. Anyway, before we jump into this, uh, if you have a bulletin with you, please make sure you have one because... It's a little bit different. It's got some fill in the blanks in there. I'm taking it back to when my dad used to preach, and the boy was an acronym nut. He had, I'm going to give you the 17 elemental P's and the 14 R's and the 6 M's to connect the scripture. If you don't have one, just raise your hand, and Beck will be able to get you one. Um, but taking it back to that, is I haven't done this ever when I preach. Um, I'm usually just spend the week getting this in me and let the Spirit do what He wants to do on a Sunday morning. Um, the Lord took me away from notes, as I've told you guys, just to let it be and come out the way that He wants it to come out. However, what you have in front of you is fill in the blanks, and we'll have the answers on <laughs> the screen, so don't worry. You will pass the test. We're not going to grade these at the end, all right? Penmanship is important. So you can read it throughout the week. So let's read this, Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. It says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Now what we have covered in the first chapter, first few verses of chapter 8, all the way up through verse 13. Let me just back up just a little bit. To this point, we've taken the understanding that chapters 6, 7, and 8 in, the, in, in the, the book of Romans are specific to sanctification, justification, and now chapter 8 is all about glorification. So we have to ask ourselves a question, what are we glorifying? If it's about glorification, what is being glorified? Well, I'll tell you what, it's the power 
the the if I say this word right, dunamis power, the the um, miracle working of God, who changed, who did something, came and died on the cross and gave us access that miracle to Him, so that we can be in relationship and connected with Him. The result of that is what you read from verses one all the way through thirteen. It opens up by saying, "Therefore, there is now no condemnation for anybody who is in Jesus Christ." Talks about being uh, of the f uh, having your mind set on the spirit and not on the flesh, and the result of what that looks like, and then also that you have the spirit in you. We're glorifying the fact that there's there's this power of God, and now what Paul is getting to is he's speaking to that same power being something that you have the authority to wield. But why do you have the authority? Why do you have the authority? That's what's being uh, pulled out of scripture here. Are you with me this morning? So as we go through this, uh, it's important for us to understand. Uh, we're going to talk about this word sonship. Has anybody ever heard that word before, sonship? Maybe you've heard it every Sunday, your entire life. I know that we've all heard our entire life, you're a child of God. Okay. It's a good thing to hear. It's a good thing to come in on a Sunday morning and all sit the same way and agree with. But my question to you, and I say this all the time, and I will continue to say it, they will know them by their fruit, right? So it's easy to, for us to say that I'm a child of God. It's easy for us to talk that, speak that to somebody else, right? Somebody needs counsel, you speak it to them, hey, guess what, you're, you're a child of God. Walk in that. But do you yourself believe that you are. And what would be an indication that you are that? That you walk in and uh, reside in this sonship. I would love for, for people to come to ESS who've never been here before or for somebody to call me and say, you know what? The people who go to your church, you included, we didn't necessarily get from them that they said this, that, and the other thing about the word, that they are children of God, that they walk in this sonship, that we are, I mean, you could just go down the list, but rather they show it. We walk in it. It's an expression of what's in here coming out. Now, again, that doesn't mean you got to show me anything. I'm not asking for you to put on. Don't put on. Leave that mask out front. We're not about that in here. But I will say this, what is in you? I'm going to call it forward. If there's any authority in me, I'm calling you forward as a child of God. To walk in it. To use it. Yeah, those two. Amen? So let's read through these scriptures. Pick them apart. Um, and this first scripture, verse 14. First of all, are we all on the same page? Are we good? Everybody good in here? All right. I want you to soak this up, not because it's coming from me, coming from this personality, but because it's coming from the scripture. Uh, so, yeah. Verse 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
sons and daughters. First of all, we have to understand what sonship actually is. And what I love about scripture is that it'll tell you and interpret scripture for you. You don't have to guess at what being a son is. If you turn over to Galatians 4, we're going to read in Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to come back to Romans. Now, it does say 1 through 11. We'll come back to um, 9 and 10, excuse me, uh, 8 and 9, and then 9, 10, uh, excuse me, 10 and 11. I love that I can't speak numbers correctly. Anyway, so let's read this right quick. And this is speaking specifically to sonship. It says this, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, right there, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. A couple of things in this set of scripture to help us understand why we're sons and what sonship is. Sonship is as a result of receiving something. Now Jesus did something for us to give us access to receive that. So it's not by way of your opinion, your choice, other than when you chose to receive Christ into your life. But I'm saying this, it's not by your opinion or choice that he chose to redeem, like it says in here, redeem all nations. Are you with me with, on that? So the status of all mankind, catch me when I say this, is redeemed. Because of what Christ did on the cross. The non-believer is redeemed in the believer is redeemed. But we have a choice to either accept or reject that. Does that make sense? Then he speaks about a time which was appointed by him. I gotta, it's not up on the screen. Let me read it so I don't misquote it. And it's in verse 2. It says, uh, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. That's an authority statement. And then also in verse 4 when it says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son to do something. And as a result of that, it was so that we might, as it says at the end of verse 5, receive the adoption as sons. So what makes you a son or a daughter? That first question, I want to make sure that we get this. What Christ did for us, period what makes us a son and a daughter. Us uh, accepting Christ into our life, that's it. Now when we read this first verse again, it says, sorry, get too far away from my Bible. Uh, in, in chapter 8, let's flip back over there real quick. Or 
swipe since I don't hear pages rustling. Okay. There you go, Mom. Appreciate it. Uh, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons. I just want to make sure that we don't misinterpret this as a precondition of being a son or a daughter. Because of what Christ did, you are a son or a daughter. But like I said earlier, there's things that you can do to quench the Spirit. As a result of being that, are you known by being led by the Spirit? Does that give you or give the rest of the world an indication that you are a son and a daughter being led by the Spirit. Again, what's in you has got to come out. Are you with me this morning? So I just want to make sure we don't get those two mixed up. Yes, you are when you receive the Lord. But there's a difference between being it and then walking it and speaking it and living it and breathing it. He's saying when you're truly a son, it's because you're being led. So we get what makes you a son or a daughter, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because you can have the word in you, but then that's all that comes out and you're hitting people in the face with a Bible all day long, right? You can't have the word without the spirit and you can't have the spirit without the word. Because if you have the spirit without the word, you over-spiritualize a piece of paper falling off the counter. There's no guidelines. There's nothing to ground you. But when you have the Spirit in you, what is this, this verse is saying is what makes you a son or a daughter is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and being led by that. Big difference. Being led by it. Not just having it, but being led by it. Are you with me this morning? All right? Now, as we pick through these verses, I'm going to give you these R's. And there's, you know, lines under there for you to take notes. I don't normally do this, but it just seemed appropriate, and it's what the Lord gave me at the beginning of this week. So we understand what sonship is. We understand that there's this authority that's in us, and I'm asking you a question this morning. Do you use it? But let's get through these. I'm going to give you the five plus the conclusion, six R's of sonship. All right, that help us get through these verses. Verse 15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. The first part of that statement, first part of that scripture, if I was to call it 15a, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery. Now, this word slavery... Um, Beck preached a message, and that word that he brought out for slavery in the Greek is doulos. Now, this is different. It's douleia. That's what it is. Doulos is the act of being a slave. Douleia is being the act of being enslaved. So I'm talking the chains, the things that are holding you down, the things that have you tethered and won't let you rise up. That's what the interpretation of that specific slavery means. So you have not received a spirit of bondage. Other, other translations say bondage. Because you are a son, if you're led by the spirit and you have this authority, then where did we get this spirit of slavery? Ask yourself that question. <laughs> because there's times where I feel like I am held down. Where did that come from? Well, the reality 
Okay, that's the first R. The reality of sonship is defined by what you've received. Your reality is defined by what you've received. Don't let your reality be defined by what didn't come from Jesus himself. You, didn't, you weren't given a spirit of slavery, a bondage. So the reality is what? The next part of this verse. Does that make sense? The reality of sonship is that I am not in bondage. Well, guess what? Walk that way. Talk that way. You come in here. I come in here sometimes. I go to work with a long face as if my situation is so hard. Do you realize what God did for you on the cross? And here I am complaining because I have $13 in the bank. But he's my provider. Amen? He's the one who lifted me up, put my feet on solid rock so that I didn't have to build my house on the sand. You're with me today, guys. My goodness, he didn't give you that. So wherever that came from, man, we got to kick that out the door. Or cut off whatever is bringing that into our lives. The reality of sonship. Your reality is defined by what you receive. Amen. Because here's the next part of it. Verse 15b. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, comma, but you have received a spirit of adoption. I said this in first service. Hey, we could preach a six-month series, four or five sermons a week, on this word adoption. This word adoption is deep. It's heavy. There's a lot of spiritual, historical, and present-day implications of this word. So if my reality is based on what I receive, then the result, that's the next R, there you go, I'm just being loud, I'm going to scream it out, result of sonship is I get to receive something. Because I'm a son, I'm going to receive this spirit of adoption. Now, to back off from the scripture a little bit and step into the historical perspective of what this word means, I believe that it, it wasn't just something that the Lord wanted to pull out of nowhere and speak to this church at Rome through uh, Paul's letter. The Romans took adoption crazy serious. Crazy serious. So he's speaking to a, a people who know exactly what he's talking about. They know the seriousness of what adoption is. And as I'm studying this, adoption was something that did a couple of things. They, the, the, the people in Rome were so um, fervent towards making sure that their, their lineage or their family was continued. So by any means necessary, they would adopt a son or a, a, a family that was willing to give up their child for adoption, um, there would be a continuation there. But just as it's crazy expensive today, it was crazy expensive back then too. Not only for the adopting family, but also for the family giving up the child. Because what do you give up? You give up rights. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, how do I say this? I'm not going to use that one yet. I'm not going to use that one yet. You guys, you, you, you with me on the historical part of it? 
I mean, that's just a small bit. I don't want to spend my time like reaching back and trying to explain all the ups and downs of this, or the goods, good and bad. But one of the other things about it was, as a a a son for the for the Romans, as a son was adopted, he would then inherit everything. Now that's a duh statement. It's like, of course, okay, we understand that, right? But when you go from poverty to being basically in a in a palace, that's a big deal. But the other part of this is that everything that was connected previous is cut off. You adopt the political views, you adopt the name, you are have access to everything that that family has access to. Does that make sense? Now, let me speak to something in you guys personally. I'll get just a little bit personal. Do you feel as though there's things that you do in your life that disqualify you from being up underneath that covering of being adopted from Christ? You do things, you sin. I do things, I sin. Separates me from who he is, and therefore I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to have access to even talk to him in that moment. Now, I'm going to use this because I'm not trying to throw my grandparents underneath the bus. Uh, and this is on my mom's side because both on my dad's side have passed away. However, if you have not noticed, my dad is black, okay? And my mom is white. There you go. If you haven't noticed that by now, there might be an issue. Well, they got married in 1978, okay? And the, how do I say it? The mindset of interracial marriages back then wasn't the greatest. So upon them getting married, upon my mom doing something, my grandparents disowned her for seven years. Yeah, I mean, they came around. It was only seven years. So we're good now. It's not like we still have issues. Uh, and it's just that thinking, whatever. But in those seven years, did, did she all of a sudden not become my mom or my grandparents' child? Not at all. By blood? Okay, maybe by law or... I mean, if it got really, really crazy and you really wanted to disown somebody, you could go to extreme measures to do that. But if my mom was at the other side of the earth from this point or from wherever her grandparents or my grandparents were, basically saying you could be as far away from them as possible. There's nothing they could do or say that would make her not their daughter. I want you to understand that as the Lord has given us access through his power and through his authority to the throne, and as we say yes to that, we now have the Spirit in us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and we have been adopted. Now there is nothing you can do to be disowned by the Father. Does that make sense? There's no sin that will outdo that connection. Now the scripture does talk about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, all right? He could take his hand off you with that. Now, that's a whole nother. We, I don't want to. We, we can go down that road a different day. But I'm saying for you right now, when you feel as though the sin that you have committed is just so bad, and I just am not worthy to be a son or a daughter, well, number one, you're right. You're not worthy. But the reality is what? The result is what? That you are. Do you hear me this morning? I'm just going to say, use it. Use that. Walk in it. So we get this spirit of adoption. So if the reality of sonship 
our sonship is defined by what we receive. We don't receive a spirit of slavery. And the result is that we receive this spirit of adoption. Then here's the next R. The response to sonship is this. End of verse 15. I'm going to read the whole thing. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out what? Abba, Father. I received the spirit of adoption and as a result of that, the response in me is Abba, Father. Now here's the thing about that Abba, Father. I want to do the best I can to, to get to you guys with this. It is the most intimate way to talk to God when you refer to him as Abba Father. Now, what I love that the scripture doesn't say is that in the time of depravity, the time of pain, then you cry out Abba Father. When you don't know what's going to happen next, when you don't have the next step taken care of, there's not enough money, there's not enough this, there's not enough food, there's not enough that. It doesn't say at that point, cry out Father. It says right now, because the Spirit is in you, because the authority of God is in you, because I have made you a son, and I have made you a daughter, from the smallest of things to the largest of things, the most intimate cry and conversation needs to come from your heart. Are you with me today? The response to being a son and a daughter, whether you believe it or not, needs to be daddy, father. Are you with me today? Yeah, see, that's the part that... It, Jesus is going to do what he's going to do, all right? Let's just make that clear. God's going to do what he's going to do. But what are we going to do with what he gave us? What are we going to do with how he handles us? What are we going to do with the gift? The response is so important. It is. And I'll show you that later on uh, in some other scriptures about the response. But we got the reality of sonship. We got the, the result of sonship. We got the response to sonship. All right? And then we get to the fourth one, which is in this, the, verse 16. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit himself testifies that I'm a son of God. So let's put the judge who's God on the judge's seat, whatever, <laughs> And then who's getting called to the stand to testify for you? The Holy Spirit. And what comes out of the Holy Spirit's mouth is that's, that, hey, that, that's a child of God. That's a son of God. That's what's being said. But let me go a little bit deeper. In my time, not only with my dad, which is obviously my whole life, but with Rick Richter, who pours into me in a way that nobody else has because he's got the same gift I do as a pastor. There's things that these men will say to me, and I know Beck can um, relate to this, that are either character issues or things we need to work on or stuff that just needs to get better in our lives. And we go about our business trying to remedy that, but in a way that's not like every week we sit down and we ask, so well, how, how do you think I'm doing? You know, can I get an assessment? The reason I stopped doing that is because usually most weeks the assessment wasn't good, so I stopped wanting to hear that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> you guys are crazy this morning. <laughs> but when you're working on things and you're trying to get better, and it, maybe it's somebody who's not even pulled these character traits or issues out of you and said you need to get, get better at them, but when somebody recognizes something in you and pulls you to the side and says, hey, man, look, like I see this in you. But then they do something else. They call you forward in it. See, when Rick or my dad sit Beck and I down and say, look, man, I see this in you. And you may have, we may have forgotten that that's what we were trying to work on. But all of a sudden, there's something in us. It's just working in someone on their own accord testifies and says, brother, I see what you're doing. But here's the next part. They call you forward in it. What does it make you want to do? I want to get closer to my dad. I want to get closer to Rick. I do. What is this scripture saying? It says the spirit himself recognizes. So that's the fourth R. recognition of sonship. The Holy Spirit testifies on your behalf that there is something in you that is real, okay, separate from your opinion of it, or your feelings of it at the moment. And then what does he do? He calls you forward. He doesn't just say the Spirit recognizes what's in you and then that's the end of the verse. As a son of God. Let me call you forward today, ladies and gentlemen, with the authority that's been put in me as sons and daughters of the Most High. Let me talk to you according to who you are and not according to who you're not. Not according to the spirit of slavery. Not according to, oh, woe is me and woe is you. You are a son. You are a daughter. Use it. Step in the room. Flip the light on. He's just saying Walk in it. Let it come out. Whatever's in you, let it just... That's my sound effects for just... Oh, it just came out and I didn't even know it. All right? It's calling you forward. You remember last week when I said, hey, close your eyes? Jesus was in the tomb. You were standing right next to him. And I said, the power to raise him from the dead, like it said in those verses, is standing next to you. You watch him get up. You watch him fold whatever he folds, his face cloth, puts it on the, the bed of rock. You watch him open the tomb. You watch him step out of the tomb. Then what do you do? You watch him turn around and beckon you to come out. That the place that speaks of death, he's saying, I conquered it. Don't let it conquer you anymore. Come out. He's beckoning and calling you forward is who you are. A child of God does not reside in the tomb. A child of God is a citizen of freedom. Amen? Come on now, church. You know what we need? Yeah, caffeine. But there's those lights when you see or watch uh, a sitcom live. I think. They may not do that anymore. But they have the, the applause or the laughter sign pointed towards the crowd. That when there needs to be laughter, they just turn it on, turn it off. I'm going to get a little button that's the amen button. And I'll turn it on. And, amen, amen. Maybe that's a little bit too trying to force you guys to do things. Maybe I shouldn't go off on a tangent like that. 
Anyway, we'll get to this, <clears throat> excuse me, this last R. But real quick, I don't want to skip this. Turn back over to Galatians 4. And this is verses 8 and 9. And it says this. This is after what we just read about what it means to be a son. It says, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, here it is, or rather be known by God. Do you realize, as a mom walks into a crowd with her youngins, she wants to make sure, how do I say this? I feel as though there's something in a mother. I can't say because I'm not a mother. But if I was a father, I would want to make sure that everybody recognized those are my kids. Those are mine. You know that the father we serve in heaven is the same way. It's one thing for us to say, God, I recognize you. I recognize you as my father. I recognize you as the head, as the covering. Do you understand that every single day, he recognizes you as his child? Us realizing that would change the way that we beat ourselves up. Guess what it would do? We wouldn't beat ourselves up. doesn't mean there's not consequences for sin. I'm not saying go do whatever you want and just say, hey, I'm a child of God. <laughs> okay, the Lord will deal with you on that. <laughs> he will. But you can't think yourself out of that. You can't can't think yourself out of being a child of God because he recognizes you as that. Do you recognize you as that? Let's start today, maybe. Be a good place. Amen? Back over to uh, Romans as we get this last R before the conclusion. And it says this, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer, everybody say suffer, with him so that we may also be glorified. Everybody say glorified. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever done that. Beck does that like every time he preaches. <laughs> and the Lord said, everybody say said. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't mean to, I'm not making fun of you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's good. But here, I'm just going to give you the R and then I'm going to talk about it. It's the right of sonship. The right just like I use the analogy with my mom, there's nothing that she could do to not be my parents, my grandparents' daughter, even though they made a decision. When my dad passes away, when my parents pass away, I want them here, obviously, but I get all their stuff. Like whether I be have a bad relationship with them and haven't talked to them in 50 years or 40 years, I'm still the heir. So the right of this adoption is that you get everything Christ has. And it says co-heirs. You understand that? Heirs with. Now Christ is at the top. We know that. But we have the understanding that he's bringing us up there with him. Like we're right there adjacent. If it says with, it doesn't say underneath. It says side by side. Now the reason why this is so important is because that word suffer and that word... Um, Glorified. If you look at the Greek interpretations of those words, they both have a together 
explanation or element to them. If you go look at suffer and glorified and other scriptures, it's, just, it's a different context. But the context for this scripture in those words, they both have the connotation of together. Does that make sense? Together, not above. Together, not below. Together, side by side. So with that understanding, our right is the authority. We get the authority. We get the spirit. We get the healing power. Why would we ask God to do something that he's already given us the authority to do? I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Why? He's given us the right to do it because of sonship. Are you with me today? Amen. So what's your relationship status with the Lord? Man, if I could light Facebook on fire, I would. And I'm not, said this in first service, not like blow it up with all the kinds of posts and passive aggressiveness. <laughs> Ridiculous. Like, who are you even talking to? <laughs> but things are Facebook official and all that. Mm, let's just not go there. I told you that all of mankind's relationship status to the Lord is redeemed. Everybody's redeemed. Now, heaven and hell, very real. Very real. You can choose where you want to spend eternity. But the fact of the matter is that everybody has access to it. Every man. So what is our relationship status to the Lord once we accept him into our lives? It's sonship. That's the title. Relationship status, sonship. And it won't change. You're not going to get in an argument and take it down and put it back up. Oh, my Lord. It is the same forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So this, the, the conclusion, the R in the conclusion is just that. It says our relationship to Christ is wrapped up in sonship. It's not wrapped up in sin. Is not wrapped up in anything other than the fact that the reality of our connection to him doesn't change from him to us. So why should we have a conversation with him as if it's changed from us to him? Amen? Regardless of how small it is, regardless of how big it is, you're a son, you're a daughter. Woo! I should just walk out here, just chest all out. Okay, not being boastful. But let that give you confidence. There's nothing that can tear you down in this world. It may be painful. It may happen for a time. But guess what? I'm a son of God. I am from the kingdom. I am not from here. I do not war in the flesh. We war in the spirit. We don't set our minds on the things of the flesh. We set our minds on the things of the spirit. Why? Because as we read before last week, mindset on the spirit is life. But you want to take a full-out sprint, Olympic style, towards death, you set your mind on the things of the flesh. And just watch. But hey, guess what? Your son, your daughter. So I'm not asking you to walk in it today. I'm asking you to use it. Why am I asking you to use it? Because using it displays who God is. Does that make sense? To the non-believer. It's, it's evangelical in nature, if that's even the right word to say. There's an evangelism piece to it. Let me say it like that. 
You don't be a billboard. I hate billboards because they don't move. So let's get away from that word. You don't be a billboard for Christ. You be a walking example of the power of God working in you and through you. Just let it go. Just let it happen. Amen? So let's get our, our worship team back up here as we get ready to close. And we'll have uh, whoever's helping with offering come up here as well. Um, but I'll tell you what. I keep making this statement. And the Lord hasn't taken me away from it yet. How long will we be satisfied with coming to church, hearing the word, knowing that the word says when it goes out, it doesn't return void? How long will we be satisfied with not responding? See, I don't know how the Lord wants you to respond today. I don't. But I do know that whatever he's doing in you right now, I'm just going to encourage you not to suppress it. Not to stop whatever conviction he's giving you. Because number one, if you're a son, a father and a mother by nature are supposed to look after their kids. Your earthly representation of that, those two might not be that great. They might be amazing. But the God that we serve is not going to set you up to fail. That means in this moment, as he's convicting you in something, he's not going to set you up to fail. He's not. But I'll tell you what, the word can't go out without there being a response. Amen? So let's just let the Lord work on us in this moment. Let's, let's pray for this. Go ahead on and play there, Jared. Father, thank you for this offering. Lord, we just thank you for uh, just an opportunity this morning to glorify you even more. And basically communicate to you, Father, that there's no other God over us. Money is not a God to us. And if money is, Lord, I just pray that we just, you humbly talk to us about that one. Because I tell you what, there's nothing on this earth that claims me as a son the way that you do. There's no God on this earth that can do what you did for me and for us. So, Lord, we just want to honor you in that today. I pray that what gets put in this offering is just blessed. Lord, so that we can bless you, keep the lights on, keep meeting and talking about Jesus. We're furthering this vision to go and win this city. So, Father, we love you and thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, you guys can pass that. talking about authority. Here we are talking about sonship. Here we are talking about access and rights. Maybe somebody in here is wanting that access to those rights and has never in their life prayed for this. For Jesus to be their Lord and personal Savior. Maybe you've never done that before. So what I'm going to do right now is let's just pray about that. And let's see if the Lord wants to add to the kingdom today. Amen? So Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment, Lord. We realize that because of sin, we're separated from you. Lord, we came into this world as that. But it's because of your miracle work that you did on the cross that you closed that gap. And because
because that gap was closed, Father, we now have access to this authority, this power, and we realize how great it is. That, Lord, we can't do this on our own anymore. So I pray if there's anybody in here who's ready to transfer their trust from themselves, which is limited, to you, which is unlimited, Father, if now is that moment, I pray all that they do, all you got to do is just raise your hand. If that's you today and you want access to this authority, you want access to this, this power, just raise your hand real quick. We'll pray for you. We'll welcome you in. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, brother, I'm going to ask you right now just to, you don't have to do it loud. You can do it underneath your breath. Thank you for bringing me to this moment. I realize that I am insufficient without you. And I confess my sin. And Lord, right now in this moment, I simply ask that you would come into my heart as my Lord and personal Savior. And be God over thank you Jesus amen let's give a round of applause for that young man my goodness you guys don't know how long we've been waiting on that it's been a long time coming come on now now here's the next one somebody in here might need to get healed from something at least this is on the outside of the building that's what needs to happen on the inside okay I don't know if that's emotional I don't know if that's physical I don't know if that's spiritual but if there's a response to that, what I'm going to do is open up this altar. If the authority is in you, maybe you don't know what that means. You want to be released into it. Come up here and get prayed for. You want the power of Jesus to be more evident in your life? Come up here and get prayed for. It wouldn't hurt. But let me say this as well. Healing doesn't always have to happen at the front of the room. Healing can happen wherever. Jesus walked by and people were diving at the hem of his garment just to get a touch so he may be healed. Are you willing to dive today? No matter where the healing's at, are you willing to dive? So let's stand to our feet. Alright? We're going to sing this song and I'm going to open up this altar and whoever wants to respond by coming up here, man, I'm going I'm to be praying for you. I'm going to get my leadership to pray for you as well. We're going to for healing if it, if it presents itself. Amen. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, I pray that as we jump into this time, that you would continue to speak and Lord, we would listen. The plans that you have for those who love you are not for calamity, but they're for good. So Father, I pray against anything that would stop us from stepping into this moment and experiencing the healing power of Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit flow through this place and touch each and every one of us, Father, in a way that just makes us move. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Pray for for you guys for the rest of this week. Is that as you walk from this building, the Lord's gonna put you in situations where you're gonna need his authority. You're going to need that authority to come out. You're going to need that power. 
they deserve what has happened to them, but you don't. That's a trick of the enemy. Right now, there's somebody here that needs deliverance. And it's your time right now to come on up for that deliverance. You don't have to work with that anymore. It's something that we can just speak to and it'll be gone. You know, it's a thing where when God frees us, sometimes we don't want to step out. We want to stay in that jail cell. Although the doors are blown off, we want to stay in there. And the Lord tells us to go, and we take off those puncture-proof radios, and we put on square wheels. Because we want to be careful. We want to control. But we can't control it. we got to give it to God. And right now, there's someone with some kind of something that's been on them that they're ready to give. Their tire is weighing you down. And the Lord wants you to come on up for the healing because he's ready for it to be spoken to and gotten past you and for it to come on. So don't feel threatened or afraid. Just go ahead and receive your healing because the Lord has been there and he's calling out to you right now. Amen. Amen. I hope that resonates. You know, uh, like she said, we're not going to force nobody. Squeeze the service and then somebody's gonna get healed. But if there's a response, just say, hey, it's safe. I encourage you to come up. If that's you, it's gonna be good on the other side. Amen. Alright, that's okay. Did you know that it's okay to swing for the fence and miss? I know I don't think we've missed. I, I don't at all. It's okay to do that here. It's okay to get up and make a call like that. Nobody comes forward. But guess what? He might get you on the way out the door. He might get you at the stoplight. He might get you while you're working out. Okay. But I know that resonated with somebody. So, Father, as we close, what I'm still going to do is if you need prayer after this and want to come up, hey, I'll be up here. I don't want to release you guys. From, from the service. Your relationship status is that you are a son and you are a daughter. Walk in the authority, but use the authority, ladies and gentlemen. Use it. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for this morning. And Lord, you've spoken. I know you have. Be the only voice that we pay attention to in our lives, Lord. Be the loudest thing that we hear on a daily basis most extravagant thing that we see from day to day. And Lord, we want to experience you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you with everything that we have. We thank you with our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen. You guys are free.